Right, quick note just before we start. The Ragbag Rambler episode 4 is now up on YouTube. This time I'm rambling around Monastir in Tunisia. Thanks to everyone who's watched already. And listen, I don't usually talk about numbers and stuff, but let's get the number of subscribers up on the YouTube channel and the number of likes, right? Like and subscribe. There you go, I said it. That's the Ragbag Rambler, the video series in which I, Frank Burton, explore the world via the medium of Google Street View. No, really, that's what it is. Go and check it out. Now, on with the podcast. Welcome to Ragbag's Bonus Bag. My name's Frank Burton. My guest this time is John Dredge, one of the world's best-kept secrets, not just in music, but in comedy as well. We'll get into all of that, but let's start off with a tune. This is John Dredge and the Plinths with Idiots Run the World. Oh, yeah. When Blur was sort of bit popping away, really, around that time. 
Yeah, I really wanted to be in a band. That was the thing I wanted to do more than anything else at that point. And I just spent an enormous amount of energy, time and money sorting it all out, getting a group together, getting things done. But um, nothing ever happened. You know, no one was ever interested. The band was constantly arguing. I was probably an idiot as well, (laughs) all very precious about it. I mean, you know, we got a few songs out of it, but, you know, nothing happened. I was completely devastated by it at the time. So then I got into comedy and sort of, you know, writing and performing stuff. Did that for quite a long time. And then I ended up meeting this guy called Mark Hibbert, who I started writing some sketches with and doing some video stuff with. And he'd been in a band for years and years and years. And now we're talking about five years ago. And I don't know, we were just talking and then we just suddenly thought we might be a good idea, good fun to sort of put a record out and he would write the music and I'd do the vocals and lyrics and just see what happened. You know, he had all these contacts, he knew different musicians, he had a studio. So we um, we wrote some songs and uh, this chap that I was doing, another chap I was doing comedy with, it turned out he was a really good drummer. I'd been working with him for about two years, I'd never realised that. <laughs> so I got him on board and then we recorded this EP and, you know, we all thought it sounded all right. And then uh, we put it out and we just got a really, really good response from internet radio stations and community stations. And we got on BBC Introducing and we got on, you know, we got on Ian Lee and Talk Radio and also, you know, we just, we, 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 we got on a lot of stations as opposed to in 1995 when I got on nothing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, what, what, so, what, what was the difference between now and then? Probably, I mean, I guess the key one is the internet. Yeah, you know? yeah. I mean, back then it was it was incredibly difficult to get anyone to pay any attention at all. So I think, the, yeah, the thing was you can do your own publicity now without having to pay much any money. You know, you just do it yourself. And the results are amazing, certainly can, uh, compared to what it used to be like. So um, that kicked it off. So we put an EP out of four songs, sort of jangly pop type stuff that I always liked. I always liked that stuff. Then we did a single and we've just done another EP. Again, got on BBC, got played by uh, one of the undertones. He now does a radio show on BBC Ulster. So I was sort of knocked out by that because I always really loved the undertones. And uh, just getting played on the same programme as people like Chrissy Hyde is, is nuts to me. <laughs> so, you know, to, just to me personally, it's just like a, a big thrill. It might not be to other people, but <laughs> I mean, I'm not making any money out of it. But just in terms of um, getting played, it's, it's, it's been a really good experience. Yeah, great. I've been checking out your uh, low-budget music videos, which are great. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? Where some of them cost a hundred thousand pounds? <laughs> Where did that money go? Uh, <laughs> do you know? Do you know? I used to. I used to go to. I used to take it so seriously. The music business in inverted commas. I used to go to like seminars and stuff like that. This was, you know, again, pre-internet when I was trying to get any sort of foot in any door. Yeah. And they could be going on about how they'd spent, you know, hundreds of thousands of pounds on a video that looked like it had been made in a shed. Yeah. I, I, could, I could not understand it. Why did it cost all that money back then? <laughs> I mean, it might still do, I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, um, right. it, now, it, it, it was great. 
But from my point of view, I think a, a lot of videos that that cost a hundred thousand pound and and they look like they cost a hundred thousand pound. They're not necessarily any better than a, no. vi a video that costs you know ten pounds. Yeah, uh, yeah. Guess, uh, it depends on how well you do it and what you do with the resources that you've got. I think it's the, you know the idea is the important thing. It, you know, if you haven't got a good idea, you haven't got a good video. No amount of money can sort of make it any better. And uh, most videos are pretty lame. You know, they have no ideas. Most videos they're sort of fairly terrible. Um, with, with with some exceptions, like David Burns, brilliant. I mean, I think he's incredibly underrated in in, in the sort of field of video. Even though he's like well known, he's still underrated. I think. I mean, he's he's yeah. great. And uh, you know, he influenced everybody in the pop video field I think and obviously Kate Bush which she had about eight billion pounds behind her I'm sure but um, yeah it's like when you get films that they you know million dollar films and it doesn't matter really how much money you spend as you say it's, it's, it's the concept and it's the all sorts of different factors and the least of which is that it's probably the money you know yeah yeah and I, I particularly like the video for um, Idiots Run the World which, um, could, which could you just describe that to the listeners who haven't necessarily seen it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that one is it's it's um it's, yeah it's, it's it's a video of many different politicians uh, giving speeches and things like that. But my face is superimposed on the, their head, so uh, yeah, it basically looks like I'm talking in, the, in, in Parliament or in, you know, in government and giving speeches. So it, it's like Theresa May's body with my head, if you can imagine such an awful thing. But if you can't, you can watch it on YouTube. Yeah, it's it's very it's just good fun, you know. It's it's a nice concept and it doesn't cost a million pounds to do and, you know, it, it made me laugh. Uh, so. Oh, great. Well, the video for the song called "Learn to Ignore" that we did is is is, a, is like a parody of all those ludicrously pretentious pop videos you used to get in the eighties, particularly things like "Vienna" by Ultravox, where oh. it was just you would just get close-ups of statues for no reason, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know people wandering around looking uh, looking important and. The strange, strange close-ups of people looking pained for no reason. So we, we we sort of try to do a parody of that sort of thing. Oh, that if anyone's good. interested, that's on the YouTube. Have a look. Have a look at that. And and another interesting video is the one I did for a song called Alice and Alien, where I'm in the Breakfast Club. I don't know if you've ever heard of that film. Uh, yes, I've not seen it, but I know the film. Yeah. Uh, the guy who makes the videos for us is brilliant, and he. he he basically put me in in the film The Breakfast Club, so that's yeah. If anyone gets a chance to have a look at that, I'd be I'd be great. Excellent. Okay. Well, I think the the humour thing is 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 important. You know, really important to me. It's just like, you know, it's just innate in me. I've always just been fascinated by by comedy, and um, you know, I guess most musicians are pretty serious, which which I find a bit dull, to be honest with you. I mean. Most musicians, to me, you know, haven't really got an enormous amount to say uh, when you hear, hear them, you know. I, I, I like a bit of comedy, I like a bit of humour. Um, I guess a lot of musicians are terrified of being seen as 
not serious or, or something like that in inverted commas mm, but, yeah. but it's never bothered me I mean the music I do isn't isn't funny hopefully there are sort of flashes of wit in it I mean I've always liked the Kinks um, the Smiths I suppose anyone who's quite good at putting a bit of wit into into a lyric is uh, is an interesting artist to me you know I've always really, really enjoyed that sort of lyric writing it doesn't take away from the song I mean I'm not talking about comedy songs I mean, mm. most of them you can hear once and then you've heard it and that's the end of it. But I do like um, irony or a bit of, uh, you know, a bit of a joke in a lyric. It always always impresses me that. So I've yeah. always been interested in, in, in that sort of thing. But our stuff isn't... I mean, Madness is quite an interesting parallel, possibly. I mean, we don't sound like them musically, but their videos were always really funny and their songs were sort of serious. You know, most of them were pretty serious songs, and I've always been interested in that juxtaposition. I mean, the, the Beatles were hilarious in interviews, things like that. I mean, if you, if you watch them, that gets overlooked, how funny they were, those guys. Not in the music, but, but in sometimes in how they presented themselves. Certainly when they started out, they were really funny. I, I don't know if you've seen much interview footage. Yeah, I've seen a bit, but yeah, it's, uh, I, I think that's definitely part of their appeal in terms of why they became so popular, is that people liked them as personalities. Yeah, yeah. I mean, how many other bands do you know every single member and their personality? There's not that many. You know, the interviews just in a hard day's night made me laugh. Things like, uh, what, what do you call that collar? Um, a collar. <laughs> What do, what do you call what do you call that haircut, Arthur? Things like that, you know. It was I mean it was uh, because they were constant. They had to they were interviewed all day long. So in order to sort of not go mad, they 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 started joking around. I think and that was that was part partly to do with it. And uh, I mean I thought John Lennon was a really really funny guy, very funny guy, you know, very funny. <laughs> I mean I um, never met him, but. Uh, well, you won't get a chance to I now. Met, I, haven't met, I haven't met any of the Beatles. There's an exclusive for you. <laughs> yeah, I'll make a note of that. That'll be the headline. That, that, that'll be the uh, that'll be the name of this episode. Um, <laughs> I've never met never the Beatles. Met, never met the Beatles. <laughs> so, I, met Ray, I have met Ray Davis. You met Ray Davis? Yeah. He's a massive influence on me because he used to do songwriting courses. And, okay. Um, right. I went on a lot of them. You know, I literally went on about seven of them. That was a sort of awe-inspiring thing to me because I'd, I'd always... I mean, he was one of the main reasons I was interested in music. So he sort of passed on quite a few tips, you know, and uh, I like to think now it's sort of vaguely paying off in a, in a, in a very small way. That's great. So, so you were actually trained by Ray Davis? Yeah, you could say that, yeah. Wow, that, that, is, that is good. He was a very good teacher. I mean... I think if he hadn't been a musician, he said he might have been a teacher. He's a, he's, a, he's an interesting guy, and it's still it's interesting that his work is now being re reevaluated. You know, some of the more obscure stuff is being reevaluated now. Like they're just putting out a huge re-release of a record called Arthur, which was completely overlooked at the time, and it's got some of his best songs on it. You know, I mean, Shangri-La is, is one of my favourite King songs. It's uh, it's like a film. It really is like a film in. in you know, four or five minutes. Mm. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, now um, I wanted to uh, ask you uh, about the comedy because you first came to my attention a few years ago with uh, Nothing to Do With Anything show, which is fantastic, by the way. On the Seriously Weird programme tonight, we look at a lamppost made out of rice paper and ask, what's that doing here? We'll also be talking to an assortment of pipe cleaners in Latin and showing you how to develop a noticeable stoop. But first, what's this when it's at home? We asked deceased journalist Bernard Levin... As uh, Heraclitus said, you cannot step twice into the same river. To be absolutely certain, we asked him again... As uh, Heraclitus said, you cannot step twice into the same river. Coincidence, or was it? And I understand you're doing some more of them now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we did a lot um, originally. It's, it, it's actually... It's, it's, it's a heck of a lot of work. That's why I haven't done it for a long time, because I was sort of fairly <coughs> tired. I mean, we did about... It doesn't sound much. We did four series of, of six programmes, each of them about 20 minutes long. That sounds like nothing. But each series is about two hours of written material. To write that amount of scripted material is, is, is funny material, and for it to be good is sort of quite quite a challenge, really. And um, yeah, we did we did four series of, sort of silly sketches. Um, I mean, each program is is sort of quite packed with ideas. It's like you know we didn't want to let a line go by without something f funny being in it or a strange sound effect or an odd bit of music you know we wanted to pack it full of silliness and make it as compact as possible so you weren't wasting your time listening to the thing and you know writing something that intense is, is quite uh, tricky i mean so after we'd done four series of um programs uh, i sort of i was i was pretty as i was saying pretty, pretty knackered but um i suddenly got the urge again last year i was annoyed that all these podcasts come out and you know <laughs> no one had ever heard of the stuff i'd done you know and you know the podcast thing has gone through the roof now hasn't it it's like every old person having their own podcast which is which is great you know but you know massive massively famous people are now just on the bandwagon aren't they so everyone listens to that and you know some of the more low lo-fi ones get ignored yeah um, so but, I um, know, I, I just, th there aren't that many people doing like proper kind of experimental sort of weird absurdist shows uh in, in the same vein as yourself yeah i mean i can't see many about i couldn't see many about then i mean that, that was why I, I guess part of the reason i did it because i couldn't really see anybody around who is wanting to do that sort of stuff my two main influences are Kenny Everett and Spike Milligan. There's not a lot of that sort of humour around these days. Not on, um, not as far as I can see, not on the BBC, not on ITV, nowhere really. So yeah, so I thought, well, I just wanted to express myself as they say, and uh, luckily I found someone who has a similar influence, who is able to produce it in a, in a really professional way and in a really sort of intricate way and was prepared to put the time in to make it sound really good and uh, he's, he's very good at creating different sound worlds and soundscapes and he's just got a great understanding of, of, of sound you know and because uh, what I like doing is layering different things on top of each other things that wouldn't normally go together bung them all in and uh, you know that's what I like about it but yeah we've just started again so in fact I'm I'm doing the first recording session tomorrow of the, of the new series, so that'll be series five. 
Yeah. Really silly, incredibly stupid, most of it. Lots of silly impressions, people who shouldn't be in. We've got, we've got Robert Smith doing quite a lot of game shows in the new series. <laughs> Excellent. He, he, he's hosting uh, a new series of Bob's Full House, things like that. <laughs> Oh, that sounds oh, great. It's just a, welcome to Bob's School House. <laughs> that sort of thing. <laughs> Excellent. I mean, the thing is, it's really influenced by pop music and uh, things that I remember growing up on TV and, you know, strange things that everyone's forgotten about. <laughs> That's probably why no one else is doing it. <laughs> and you're, uh, you're doing the Dredgeland podcast as well. So is that... So is that more kind of a, an improvised um, comedy show? That's totally improvised. Totally improvised. Oh, is it? That's yeah. great. Um, Every week, you know, we put the microphone on and we've got a vague structure and we've got characters that we know we can put in there and we might just say the day before, where shall we set it this week? Or, you know, set it in a laundromat or something. And uh, <laughs> then we just... So, right, we'll have this character first, then this guy, then this one. And then we just improvise the whole thing and um, put it out. And so that's definitely an experimental thing. Oh, my name's Wick, and I own the Wandsworth Tragedy Emporium. And I'm Brian, and I'm co-owner of the Wandsworth Tractor Beam Emporium. Do you need a tractor beam to find your nearest enemy and bring them a lot closer? Maybe you just are really bored of reaching out very far away things and you want to make them a little bit nearer. Here's some of our brilliant customers who have bought tractor beams for the Wandsworth Tractor Beam Emporium. My name's Ray Reardon. I've, uh, I've, I've, I've managed to suck people in from many miles away thanks to the Wandsworth Tractor Beam Emporium, Dundee. There's the Wandsworth Tractor Beam Emporium. It's the best tractor beam emporium this side of, well, Winchester. My name is Ben Kenobi. I was very annoyed when Darth Vader used this special tractor beam to pull me in, but nevertheless I respect it and I hope to buy one of my own soon from the Wandsworth Tractor Beam Emporium, Nuneaton. That's why if you've got not enough money, you can rent a tractor beam for the Wandsworth Tractor Beam Emporium, just like Ben Kenobi from the film Very Far, Far Away. Here's one of his adversaries and another customer of the Tractor Beam Emporium, Wandsworth. Here's Darth Vyhoder. Hello, I'm Darth Vader, voted most evil man of the year, 1977. It's been downhill ever since then, what with all the competition. Nevertheless, I was very impressed by the special tractor beam that was installed thanks to the Wandsworth Tractor Beam Emporium. I've been able to pull in spaceships from all over the galaxy and farther away than that. Thanks, Emporium, and Merry Christmas. Oh, we really appreciate the sentiment. It's the Wandsworth Tractor Beam Emporium. Garrett Lane Wandsworth, Wandsworth, all your tractor beam base needs. Um, I was just going to ask you sort of where do you get the discipline to keep working on all these different things? Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. That's a good question because I'm not making money out of it. So so, so why am I doing it? I think the answer is I've always, always loved music and I've always loved comedy. And just expressing myself in those sort of areas is, is something that I like to do. Even though there's no money in it, there, there is a, there is some sort of fulfilment in it. It's nice to be able to make something and go, I did that. There it is. Whatever you might think of it, this this is this is what I've made. Here it is. Off you go. Because I can't I can't be bothered with the idea of waiting to be commissioned for something, you yeah. know, yeah. or or just you know working on a project for five years that might or might not get on 
Radio 8 in, in 10 years, you know, I can't be bothered with it. I prefer to make something now and have it there. And then people, you know, can make of it what they will. It's just nice to be creative and to, as I say, to actually to actually create something that, that is, a, is there for people to listen to or watch if they want, you know. No. So I think, I, think it, I think the energy comes from that. And the fact that, you know, who knows how long we've got here, so we might as well try and make the most of our, our lives, you know what I mean? It's just, it's just something that I like to do. None of us know how long we've got. <laughs> true, yeah, absolutely true. Absolutely true. Yeah, yeah. Um, what would you do if you had an unlimited budget? Somebody gave you a trillion pounds and said, go and make whatever you want to make with that. I'd, I'd build a trillion pound house. <laughs> I'd stop being creative. <laughs> and then I would, I would, I would lie. Actually, I would, yeah, and I would lie in the, on the, in the bed, and uh, and and that would be it, really. <laughs> no, I don't know. What would be, gosh, that's uh, that's an interesting one. It would be. I would like to. It would be nice to have a base to make stuff. You know, just a uh, you know a proper proper studio, a place where you could make videos and audio things and records and you know have staff or something like that to help you out with it so that it could be you know these things could be done a lot easier and i'd give up my job so that's yeah and just 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 do just do comedy and music in various forms i'd probably carry on with what i'm doing actually see because half the reason i make it is i don't think think people like the bbc would be interested so i just make it myself and put it out because I don't really know what their take on comedy is at the moment, but I never watch it. I mean, I never watch whatever they're making these days at all, which is part of the reason I'm doing what I'm doing. I just never watch anything that they make. That's probably why it's a bit different to, to all that, because, you know, my sort of humour is, 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 is nothing like what they're putting out now. Yeah, yeah, well, th- there's, a lot to, there's a lot to be said about ignoring mainstream culture. <laughs> Because yeah, if, I mean, if, if, you, if you do that, then, then that, that immediately puts you uh, at a kind of a creative advantage. It immediately makes you kind of do things that aren't mainstream. I mean, it's, the weirdest thing to me is the fact that Noel Fielding is doing Bake Off. What's all that about? Where did that come from? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm not sure. Um, but... hey, the, weirdest, the weirdest comedian <laughs> you could possibly get. You like that idea, you know. And I don't know, we'll put him on the most popular show that we can get and for some reason it's worked I mean that is a weird one but I never watch Pape Up it's not me you know it's nothing to do with me well I was really interested in his in his vision you know comedy and stuff like that um, but it does seem a strange uh, thing to have done you know it's, it's like getting John Lydon and getting him to do adverts for butter wherever he did <laughs> yes just the most bizarre people <laughs> Suddenly, you know, these really left-field people suddenly put right in the mainstream by somebody is, uh, is odd. Yeah, Iggy Pop doing um, insurance. Yeah, that yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what that, you know, again, you know, what a strange, uh, what a strange choice. Um, but that sort of thing almost sounds like a sketch, doesn't it? You know, Iggy Pop doing insurance, well, life insurance. <laughs> It's amazing you're still alive. Hi, I'm Iggy Pop. I'm amazed I'm still alive. <laughs> It'd be a good sketch if, you, if Iggy Pop was selling insurance, but he was doing it door to door or something. 
or he was doing like telesales just <laughs> yeah. that cold calling. Yeah. I mean, that could have easily happened to him, you know, had it not been David Bowie. I mean, he was, for years, he was living on absolutely no money at all, Biggie Pop, you know, and he was like, he said himself he should have been dead 500 times. I don't really understand the whole... I'm, I've always been very, very interested in alternative culture, yeah. I mean, I'm not... I'm definitely not a mainstream person at all. Everything that comes out on television, I immediately hate. I'm a bit of a punk like that, you know. What's next for the uh, What's next for the plinths? Then are you gonna create some more music soon? Yeah, we, we 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 someone's actually asked us to do a song. I mean, that's amazing to me that somebody else has actually asked me to do a song. Oh, right. <laughs> it's not just me forcing it on the world. Somebody else has actually requested it, so that is a, a step forward. So um, it's yeah, we're doing a Christmas song. <laughs> someone's asked us to do a Christmas song. Uh, I mean, the mu- our music is not weird punk thrash or anything like that. It's melodic pop, really. But, yeah, um, yeah someone's asked us to do a, a Christmas song, so we've written one, and then so tomorrow I'm going to be recording that. So, so uh, I thought I'd go for the commercial juggler on that one. Because don't you find that, even though there's probably thousands of songs about Christmas, they only ever play five of them. Yeah, that's that. That is really annoying. It really is. I, mean, I don't understand <laughs> it. You know, that, that that almost sort of sums up the sort of uh, restricted view of um, radio programmers in, in in the UK. I mean, when was the last time you listened to a commercial radio station properly? I mean, never. You know what I mean? <laughs> you just no, know. Um, it's wallpaper. You know, it's wallpaper. Yeah, yeah, the, 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 they're going for the um, familiarity, I think. Just any, any, they just resist any, any, anything that is unfamiliar. Yeah, must yeah. be so, resisted. So, so I think that's that the policy. Is, the, the end result of that is five Christmas songs every year. Yes, the same five. But anyway, there's a, there's a six now because I've, <laughs> I've just written one. Well, and, let's uh, let's go for this being Christmas number one, shall we? I think we can do this with, <laughs> with, with yeah, well, my resources and your resources. We we can uh, we can drum some <laughs> drum something I'm hoping, up. I, I'm hoping it'll be number one in my roads. <laughs> oh well, uh, I would I would very much like to hear it. So um, well, yes. I'm going to go door to door selling it with Iggy Pop. You know, do it. Yeah, it'll give me a bit of PR. Why not? No, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I uh, no, I, I wish you the best of luck with that. Um, I do hope that. Oh, thanks. I, I I do rather like your Pancake Day song also. <laughs> which uh, yeah, that's interesting. That's an interesting song because, I mean, I don't know if you, you know. It's meant to be a spoof. That one. It's meant to be a spoof because why would anyone do a song about Pancake Day, which is the most stupid day to celebrate? You know why? You know, it's just such a silly day. Let's all eat a load of pancakes. <laughs> so my idea behind that song was just to pretend that Pancake Day was an incredibly significant occasion. And uh, yeah, that's that's what it, work, about. it works though, because yeah, I think you're the first person to have done that. So that's <laughs> no, nobody you else has had that idea. Did, did you did you get the fact that it was meant to be a spoof? Oh yes, of course. Yeah, I mean, I I was I wasn't listening to it thinking, oh, oh yeah, it's what a wonderful day <laughs> Pancake Day is. Because I think some people were, you know, they, uh, some of the response I've got on Twitter, it says, oh, yes, it's a song about Pancake, yeah, okay, mm, yeah, thank you, that's it. 
That's quite intriguing, that. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Something about pancakes. Yeah, that's quite significant. Yeah. <laughs> but is there a deeper meaning behind it? What, what's the uh, What's the metaphor here? Yeah, there's definitely no deeper meaning behind it. <laughs> no, I, I just... Uh, in front of it. I, I, li- I like the fact that you've taken like a, a completely inconsequential thing and treated it as though it's a, an important thing. I, I, yeah, I like that. that. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. Uh, it's just like a lot of people on Twitter completely missed the point. Like, why has he written a song about that? Why didn't he write about you know, Christmas Day? Which I have now done. <laughs> so... Um, yeah, no, that it's it's unusual for people on social media to miss the point of something. <laughs> I don't think that's ever happened before. <laughs> it's not a good forum for jokes or irony. You know what I mean? No. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think you'll find. But yeah. Yeah, well, it went down quite well. That one. I'm glad you like that one. Excellent. So, um, is there anything else that you wanted to talk about while we're here? Yeah, so the, I reckon the new series of the Nothing to Do with Anything show will be out just after Christmas. Um, so by all means, uh, follow me on Twitter if you, if you, if you want to find out about that. What is your Twitter handle? At John Dredge. That's easy. And um, when when is the Christmas single out? The Christmas single will be out on the 25th of November. <laughs> I thought you were going to say December then. So is it a single then, or is it part of a compilation album? Oh, yeah. Sorry, it's part of a compilation CD. Yeah, that's oh, right. Oh, okay. So we can't get it to Christmas number one unless um, we get the album to Christmas number one. <laughs> yeah, not without a lot of difficulty. <laughs> a lot of forethought and the planning. Right. Excellent. Well, um, <laughs> if we start now, then maybe we can get it for Christmas number one, 2021. Oh, yes, yes, I do, yeah, yeah. He's written a book called Here's the Thing, which is transcripts, a lot of it is transcripts of callers, people that are phoned in with stupid things. And so I've written the forward to that, and uh, all profits from that book go to the Samaritans, and you can get it by just clicking on Ian Lee's Twitter feed and finding out about it. So there we are. Yes. Um, uh, Any more things to plug? I've got a sketch group, a small sketch group I've just started up. It's three people. Uh, the name of the act is The Three People. Uh, there's three people in it. Uh, so I decided to call it The Three People. So we are doing live sketch stuff. We did a, we did a gig this week that went quite well. Silly sketches live. So yeah, so we'll be doing quite a lot more of that next year as well, I think. Great. And, um, yeah, if people follow you on social media, they can get updates on um, your future appearances? Yeah, that's it. That's, that's exactly it, yeah. Going to be doing some live stuff uh, next year. Excellent. From there's a feeling of such magic in the air. Everyone comes together everywhere. 
listening all the links to john's numerous projects in music and comedy can be found in the show notes just a reminder to check out the ragbag rambler video series on youtube tell everyone you know about it tell them about the podcast too word of mouth or just do it on social media if you must new ragbag next week don't forget my website frankburton.co.uk more bonus bags soon as well got some great people lined up for you watch this space Podcast is part of Britpod Scene, an independent network of uniquely British podcasts that's always growing. Check out BritpodScene.com or follow Britpod Scene on Twitter to find out more. Oh.